Let's keep that. I, I'm serious. <laughs> Don't delete that. <laughs> huh. What about e Everybody walking like me now. Everybody talking like me now. In the Damn. I ain't been home in a minute. What? I ain't never seen no ceiling. Mm. Come guy, yeah. Welcome everybody to Jeff versus the World Present Lovecraft Country Review. Uh, this is a very special uh, occasion because I have one of my closest friends that will be going on with me through this journey, through this uh, experience, these ten episodes. Uh, and I'm about to introduce her to, to. I'm about to introduce you to her. Uh, her name is Tiffany Hicks. Uh, how you doing, Tiffany? Hello. Hello, everybody. Yeah. Uh, we have been uh, looking for something to do for a while, and this is a perfect show for us to do. It's not long. It's not a long show. Uh, it's black. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a show that I was super interested in after watching the first episode. So we will be reviewing episode one of Lovecraft Country. Uh, before we get started, I think we should uh, give a little people, you know, the backstory of Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country itself. Uh, you want to take that away? Sure. Um, I won't, you know, deep dive into the, you know, all the history, every, everything. I know everybody is tuning in to hear the feedback and hear the reviews. So just cutting to the point, um, this actually, this series is actually based on a book by the same name, Lovecraft Country, um, by the author Matt Ruff, and that's just spelled R-U-F-F. So if you guys want to like take a quick look at that, um, I know me personally, I haven't read the book um, because I kind of wanted to enjoy the visual before I get to the book. I am a firm believer that books are typically better than actual like movies and TV shows. But for this occasion, I wanted to, you know, take in the series full force. Um, but again, if you want to do your own research, take a look at the actual book that is based off. Maybe that'll give you a better understanding because as we go on, some of the themes in the show are really out there. <laughs> and in order to understand it, you got to have that little bit of background. Um, the another key thing about the series itself and what it's based on is by another author that actually was like in the 1800s, um, a white gentleman by the name of H.P. Lovecraft. Again, I won't deep dive into it because there's a lot of criticism towards him as far as being a racist. And we'll talk about that as far as the themes in, in the actual show. But again, if you want to look him up and again, his name is H.P. Lovecraft. And he basically wrote um, several short stories, poems um, about the sci-fi aspect of normal life. And so that's basically the foundation for this series. But putting the twist from Jordan Peele's um, mind, which we all know the infamous Get Out. So enjoy the ride. That's all I have to say for everybody. Take it for what it is. And it's a lot to discuss. Yeah, uh, it's a lot to unpack. Uh, starting off with episode one, I mean, we came in really hot because I didn't know what I was getting <laughs> into. 
Uh, <laughs> so, like I said, we were talking off air, and we said, should we go beat for beat with everything that happened? And we decided not to because at this point, everybody's pretty much seen episode one. Uh, the episode is called Sundown, and it aired, I believe, August 16th. And mm-hmm. it was on. If you want to watch this on, it's on HBO. Yeah, you know you can stream it. If you haven't watched it yet, I suggest you jump on now. Or you might be like other uh, somebody who wants to just watch it all at once. But yes, we start off with Sundown. The episode is Sundown, and I gotta say this initial beginning just I was already in. We have a, a black soldier. We don't know his name or anything at this point. We just know he's at war. So you know. We are watching this, and as the uh, camera is pulling back, you're seeing spaceships and lasers, <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute, what's happening right now? And, Put the blunt down. <laughs> <laughs> and you had um, an alien uh, woman come down and hug him, and <laughs> then you have a monster come behind him as he's hugging her, and Jackie Robinson comes out with a baseball and like splits the monster into... The monster reforms and is like he's about to like go and hit another home run or take another swing. But uh, the character of Tick wakes up on the bus and they already uh, set you up nicely by saying, well, this is not 2020. Uh, this is like ni- the 1950s, I believe. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So we're in the 50s and the colors are in the back and all the white people are up front. And like I said, we won't go from beat for beat. But just that opening right there, I was like. That's bad shit crazy. I'm in. I don't know how you felt about that opening because I was like, what the fuck? I I think what me, I, I didn't take it to the extreme because, I, like I said, I kind of knew the background and, and where this, this universe came from as far as the series. So I understood that there would be a twist on reality and a twist on the sci-fi aspect um, that, you know, that is written in the stories. But I will definitely say that that intro is probably movie level. That's something that you would see in a theater. That's something that everybody would stop eating their popcorn, stop slurping on their sodas. It it brought you in. And like I said, it might have freaked out some people <laughs> that weren't, you know, didn't know any background. But I enjoy things like that because um, Jeff will tell you I'm that kind of person that I want to feel like I'm emerged in the experience and from one second into the show until like you mentioned him waking up on the bus and now we're back into reality of the 1950s and the segregation on the buses and him reading the book and being immersed in that life I was like okay yeah I'm in let me let me put my phone down for a second because we all know we scroll and stuff this is not the tv show to do that because you will miss something yeah um even as i was initially tweeting on twitter eventually that stopped because i was like (laughs) yeah yeah let me focus because this is this is something um and i think with this episode episode one they put you in a good space of this is not an ordinary show and we're going to touch these uh sensitive topics topics as far as race with horror and i was like Okay. All righty then. Um, because in one minute, I think the first half of the show, you're like, I'm angry. Um, I didn't know about sundown towns. If you didn't know, you know, these are the reactions you're having. Uh, this cop's an asshole. And then the last 20 minutes is like, what's going to happen? 
I'm nervous. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> Did I turn the channel by mistake? What happened? <laughs> like it, it, it's a clear, it's a clear distinction from part one of the episode and part two of the episode. And I just want to backtrack just a bit when you mentioned about um, the historical aspect as far as racism. I want to put this and emphasize this. I think it is a masterpiece to flip, um, like I mentioned earlier about um, Lovecraft being a racist. And again, you guys research that. Maybe we'll talk about that later. Um, but I think it is such a masterpiece to switch and to take that artwork and that 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 those stories that he created and take black leads, take black producers and writers and flip it to create a story for us and to to show how those things, as far as monsters and horror, how they can be replaced by our reality, our, our grandparents' reality of racism and those monsters. So I just wanted to point that out before we get too you know, far into the episodes. And I, I can't stress it enough. I want you guys to absorb it yourself and you'll see it. And it's just amazing, that aspect. Right. Um, so we start off with the character of Tick. And Tick is coming home because he's looking for his father. Uh, his father sent him a note and then he's coming back home to Chicago to uh, look for his father. And when he gets home, well, let's not even talk about that. Let's not skip this. Uh, the bus breaks down as he's coming home and they're waiting for, I guess, a replacement bus. But a replacement bus doesn't come. It's like a pickup truck. Right. So uh, if you can guess what happened, <laughs> you know what happened. They couldn't get on. All the white people could get on the back of the truck, but they had to walk to the next clearest uh next town i guess to i guess you know get on another bus or i'm sure they didn't walk the whole way but they never really said i don't we don't know how close he was from chicago at that point so i don't want to guess i'll just say that they just had to walk to another station they couldn't get in the back of the truck and i think that triggered me just Initially, I guess it was supposed to because I, I know my history and I know things like that happen. But, you know, just re repeatedly seeing it. And I don't care how many times you see it. It just still like, ah, uh, like, you know, our people had to go through that. Like, you know, we take a lot of things for granted right now in 2020. And, you know, to see that little small thing as far as getting on a bus, it was just like, fuck, man, come on. But right. yeah, I, I just think that. uh I like you said, they did a good job of showing things like that going in and out, weaving in between that into the horror, into the suspense. You know, it was almost like uh, when you uh, weaving a, a, a what a sweater or something, you going in and out, in and out. It was just really good, like you said before about doing that. But yeah, so he's getting to, he's going home and he surprises his uncle. Um, <laughs> well, he surprises was it his niece? That would be his niece. Yeah. yeah. His cousin. His cousin, his excuse cousin. me, sorry. His cousin. Because <laughs> he just, <laughs> he goes up the uh, outside, I don't know what you call those things. What is it, ladders, not steps? But you know those steps. That the be fire like, escape. That's what they are? Fire escapes? Yeah, usually on old buildings, that's what it, like, if you have, a, they're on the outside, they're called fire escapes. Because Ooh. you go throughout the window to escape. And they have, like, collapsible stairs Ooh. that fall down to the ground. 
But yeah, he's climbing that scares her. Uh, his uh, uncle is in the bedroom, you know, with his wife, and they're talking. And basically, his uncle, he basically is um, a person who is a god for all the black people to, to go through certain towns. And he, t- I guess, he's the one who tells them where to go, how to go, what to do when they're traveling. And that's a real thing. That was a real thing. Absolutely. And you can actually find publications still um, that are not in circulation, of course, but they are actual publications that black people would take those trips. One one person or two, two or three people in a in a um, vehicle and actually map it out for for people of color to make sure that they could get from one side of the the country to another, or even just one state to state. You know, what we take for granted of being able to pull into a Wawa's or 7-Eleven and, you know, a Sheets or what have you and get some gas and keep it moving, that was not the case during that time. And it's not that long ago, so let's just keep, keep that in mind, too. 1950s may seem old to some, but grandparents and great aunts and all cousins, all family are still living that live through this. But that is an actual thing. And again, it goes back to them, um, the directors and the producers, making sure that aspect of reality is truly there. So taking a road trip wasn't just a road trip for black people. Absolutely. Um, so we are all in, I think at this point, yeah, they have, they pretty much put no. They haven't put the main characters in because that night, I believe they're having a block party, and mm-hmm. our third, I guess we want to say main character is uh, shown is uh, what was her name? Letitia. Letitia, she shows up. Uh, her older sister, I'm guessing, was on stage dancing and singing, and you know she got up there and sang and danced with her, and you can tell there's tension there, but you didn't know what. And I think that was shot really well because you just see them look at each other and you see her like throwing jabs at each other. Like, I don't know where my sister came from. And I'm just like, it's just like, okay, what's going on here? So they do their little uh, dancing song and then they get off and she being the oldest sister, you know, I know, you know, brothers and sisters and sisters and sisters and brothers and brothers go through this where she was just like, what you want? <laughs> 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 what do you want? And she's like, I don't want anything, but turns out she needed somewhere to sleep. She needed to put a roof over her head. And the thing that we find out that's bothering or the older sister has an issue with is that she missed her mother's funeral. And that comes back later on. Um, And they, I don't, I'm still a little confused or not even confused, but interested in how, or, or what is the really deal with her character? Because missing your mama funeral is something like, what? Did he not have a good relationship? Uh, was she just out enjoying the world? You know, what was it that kept her from her mother's funeral? And I was just really interested in that. But I like the way both actresses uh, played off each other in that scene. Yeah. I think... Um and not to give anything away, no spoiler alerts. I think the upcoming episodes are going to give a little bit more background on Letitia um, because after episode two, they're kind of making a full circle and coming back to the neighborhood. So I feel like those questions will be answered in the next episode or the one after that. But again, don't want to, you know, do any spoilers or anything like that. 
Right. Um, oh, and backtracking. Um, uh, what is the uncle's name? I'm bad. I'll be forgetting these people's names. That's just bad. I'm sorry. What's the, the uncle? uncle? Yeah. Oh, my man just went blank as well. Because Montrose is his fa- is Atticus' father's name. Um, yeah, I'm drawing a blank because I'm thinking about the rest of the episode. Uh, <laughs> um, let's look it up. We are going to look it up. And while while Jeff's looking that up, I did want to, you know, also add to it as far as also understand that Atticus, his uncle, who Jeff is looking up, and Montrose, um, which is his uncle's brother, they, they were interested in Lovecraft's literature. So a lot of the things that they are going to run across and and interact with they kind of see those stories come to life themselves um for instance the cousin that he scared earlier in the episode she has a fascination with drawing her own comics and drawing on the maps that her dad creates from the safe travel guides so it's a nice addition to know that the whole family is in some way interested in the sci-fi and horror lifestyle that you don't see a lot with black people. Not to say that they're not, but it's not a popular or known kind of following that we see. So it's really nice to see that in the show as well. And it's uncle George. And I think, I think with that, I think that you're seeing that more now, but I'm sure then no. And, you know, as time went on, you know, you got to see it more. It's not as big as if you would see like a white, white people or, you know, going out to see these sci-fis and stuff. But I think as far as blacks, that has grown now. So, yeah, it's a little bit different now. But, uh, yes, yeah, Uncle George. So the, the Uncle George, the thing I wanted to bring back up is that basically Uncle George's wife, she wants to, uh, I guess, be a part of, you know, taking the um, the trips. And she told him while they, you know, they woke up that morning. She was like, maybe next time I can do the guide tour. And he's kind of like not saying no, but he's kind of like, you know, you sure? Is this something you want to do? Or, But I think right now he's against it because we find out later on in this episode that I guess he got his kneecaps. Yeah, twice. Twice. Uh, yeah, he got his kneecaps uh, bashed in or whatever. So it's like he doesn't want his uh, wife to be in that type of situation or be in that trouble. So he's, he's pretty much against it. He's just not saying it right now. Right. Uh, so, uh, we have the block party the next morning. Everybody is up, uh, about to go on the tour. They do the little tour check and tick comes out because he wants to, he and his uncle were talking because he told him, my daddy wrote me this letter. I missed that. Uh, you know, and so he's just basically telling him what the letter is about and they're trying to figure out exactly where he's at. But he wrote, well, Tick thought he was reading Arkham on the letter, but it wasn't a K, it was a D. So it was Arkham. And, you know, they're trying to look for it on the map. Uh, so basically... Tick decides, you know, he's going to go with his uh, Uncle George on the next trip because they both going to go together trying to find his father. Now, what I found um, interested in this uh, specific scene is also, too, that 
when Tick says, you know, he what he says something about my mother he wrote in a letter, Uncle George kind of like looking around like, oh, oh, oh. like he was about to start sweating like huh oh no you know so we know it's something and we can kind of get the gist and i don't know if we'll ever find out but they're kind of maybe hinting to the fact that uncle george might be his dad Mm um yeah they're hinting at it right now so they didn't say anything but everybody acted with their facial features well uncle george he was you know you just looked at his face and could tell that and i found that like uh really good acting right there because he didn't say it, but he was just nervous and you could see that so jumping into that after they had that conversation the next night no next morning i'm sorry this is when they get ready and go to the um no i'm missing something else when tick goes back to his father's house he calls was it japan or china um south korea south korea sorry which is where he was stationed when he was in the military. So he calls South Korea and this woman is picks up the phone and she knows it's him because he's being very quiet. We don't know who she is or anything. And she was like, you went back home. You shouldn't have went. And he just hangs up on her. And we, you know, they just leave it as that. And I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. And also with that, we, they pan outside and there's this like car just sitting there. And we don't know why the car is sitting there, but he did find out going to the bar. I'm doing a bad job of recapping this. <laughs> going to the going to, prior going to the bar trying to find information out about his father, he found out that when his dad was picked up that night, the last night he was seen, it was a fancy car. And uh, I guess this guy uh, that he grew up with, I don't know if he Tick just didn't like him or he just remembered, you know, he might have been bullied, but he came back and the dude was in his face. He's like, Oh, you don't remember me? I'm tree. He's like, Yeah, I know who you are. <laughs> and he's like, oh, where's so and so at? And another shocking thing, uh the, the I guess the person that owns the bar back in the back getting some top. Uh we gonna keep it uh PG. But, uh, yeah, we don't need to go over that scene. Let's just fast forward to the when, road trip. <laughs> but he gives him the information, you know, that he may need that can help him out about, you know, the last time they seen his father. Okay, I think I've got everything there that we can focus on the trip. So they start. I'm not sure where they go first. I can't remember exactly where they go first. Um, Are you talking about the cafe scene or before that? Prior to that, prior to that, well, before that, because really they were it was undisclosed locations. Like we would see them stop at the gas station. We saw, yeah, um, the the white teenagers, I guess, marking, um, making fun of Atticus or Tick, excuse me, um, while he was eating a banana. Of course, the monkey reference, um, and it's it's you see the contrast of Tick trying to come back to this reality. Um, because he's a very defiant personality, as you'll see in the show. But it's almost like he has to backtrack that because now you're back in the U.S. and that reality is different than standing up and being a man in the military. Um, So we see kind of like undisclosed locations, getting gas, going into a restroom. Um, Another key thing to the the series is that there's one... um, image 
that literally has colored entrance with an arrow. And it's actually a um, factual picture that was taken during that time. And they did an excellent job of making the background actually that image that is a historical um, artwork. So the beginning of the road trip, you'll just see, you know, undisclosed areas. You see Uncle George putting pulling the map out and, you know, marking here and there as to where they've gone and where they, they, they've been. Um, we don't narrow it down to specifics until they get to, um, I think it's Sumsville or Simsville, where Uncle George, from previous information, had gotten... Um, a location, I think it was Lucille or Lucy's um, diner. And he was like, yeah, let's go. I'm hungry. And, you know, Letitia was like, yeah, I know nobody asked me, but I'm hungry too. Um, so it was kind of lighthearted and it started that way. And they drove in a standard little small town. Um, again, something that you would see in the 1950s. But if anybody's ever traveled, you know, into non-big cities or you know what we call boondocks it still looks like that now where it's that one main street and you know everybody's looking around and you're looking for somebody that look like you and there's nobody there on the streets but they still continue to you know go down the main street and uncle george is like yeah it's right up here on the end and you can kind of see in the characters faces like um i don't think this is accurate anymore but we're here now so and that was interesting to see that kind of, I don't want to say at that moment it was fear, but it was that apprehension that we all have when we're in an unfamiliar place, you know, especially black people. It's like, you sure, you sure we should have took a left or we should have took a right kind of thing, it, it but was, they were there and everybody was hungry. And it was at that point that, you know, they parked, walked in and we meet, you know, our first, I will say, hostile characters without even saying words. Again, it was a lot of visual. Um, it was the young boy behind the counter and an older white man sitting at the counter. Um, and the look of what I would call is like a mix of disgust, um, confusion, and looking at them as like, do they had audacity to come in here? Yeah. Um, I think the, the teenage boy was more shocked <laughs> than yeah. anything. So he scared. didn't know what to do. And then the, the middle-aged white man, you know, as in typical format, just couldn't deal with it. So he walks out. He went and told. He absolutely <laughs> yeah, went and told. I'm, I'm, I'm sure the good old boys was around the corner. Yeah. So, you know, um, this leaves Letitia saying, look, I had to go to the bathroom. Um, which leaves Tick and Uncle George sitting at the table and they're going over the menu and they even address the young teenage boy, can we get some coffee? And again, he hasn't said a word. He's just like staring blankly like, is this really happening? Um, and he walks away and goes to the back, which we assume that he's going to get the coffee. Shit, I knew that one uh, right. I was like, he going to the back. What the fuck he going to do? <laughs> so... As we're sit, as Uncle George and Tick are sitting there, kind of going over the the menu and talking about chicken dumplings, and that that kind of sounds good, like a normal person would do at a table. The scene goes to Letitia walking down the back, um, 
and I, I think she was coming from the bathroom at this point. And she overhears the young teenage boy on the phone talking about, yes, they just walked in. It's three of them. Um, and I, I know I didn't him. serve them. I know what you did. Not after what you did to, to Miss Lucy. And so Lucy? then we go. Huh? You sure he said Lucy? I always wanted to. In my mind, I felt like he said Karen. But that's just maybe because Karen might be popular. <laughs> go ahead no i think the lady's name either the the lady that owned the restaurant was lucy or lucinda i had to look back at that but after leticia overhears that you we go back to uncle george and tick sitting at the table and something triggers tick to look around and he starts to see like an irregularity in the building from the ceiling to the walls they're all white um, but they look a little off from where the ceiling is. And so he mentions to Uncle George, like, um, tell me about the White House again, which again, cue the historic fun facts. Um, the White House was burned down um, during the war. And then, of course, as Uncle George goes to explain, slaves rebuilt the White House. And they had to actually paint it white. And as he's telling this story... Tick has, a res- has the epiphany that something isn't right. And they say it at the same time to hide the scorch marks, which means that whoever Lucy Lucinda was that previously owned the, the, the um, cafe was clearly burned. Mm-hmm. The, the shop itself was burned. So at the same time, we simultaneously get Letitia back in the scene <laughs> Non-stop running, and I like to say this is how everybody should run <laughs> when you are scared. This no is... looking back, no checking for children or elderly people. You are just running straight out the door. And in her famous words, say, y'all need to get your asses up. <laughs> get the hell out of here. <laughs> no questions. Didn't wait for nobody to get up. And, and I also like to applaud Tick. And Uncle George, because they didn't hesitate either. Uncle George grabbed his hat, slid out their booth, and they was at the car in 2.5 seconds. Them bad knees was going. That's how everybody should act in a horror movie. Well, <laughs> you, you, for some reason, I think uh, Hollywood got us confused. Because you tell black people, like, we just going to run. It don't be, we see somebody <laughs> running, we all going to run. We ain't waiting. That's a, that's a 100% <laughs> fact. You could best to believe that shit. We're going to run, and then we're going to ask questions like, Later. where we running from? <laughs> where we running from? What happened? <laughs> Even if I don't know you, what, what, what's going on? We do not run towards the fire. That is not us. That is not us. So I think that was that was a realistic, you know, reaction. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and but, needless uh, to say, they jumped in the car, and Letitia handled that car like a pro. Get yeah. out of that out of that one main street. Because <laughs> they cause the whole time they didn't want her to drive. They refused to let her drive. But she was like, just get your asses in the car. Because <laughs> Uncle George told us, let me drive. <laughs> she said, get in the car. And they got in the car. <laughs> That's all that matters. Right. And she swerved. And literally within that time of them getting in the car, the good old boys have arrived in their truck. So they got to make a U-turn because Letitia had that, that station wagon out the way. She had no problems. But now we have a high-speed chase through this little town to get back to the highway. 
and the good old boys got shotguns and they shooting. They shot out the back of the window. Um, Uncle George and Letitia fighting over the steering wheel. I think at once Letitia cussed him out, I think Uncle George understood that she had it. <laughs> yeah, because kept, he kept calling her girl. He says, it's Letitia fucking, I forgot, Letitia fucking something. <laughs> <laughs> and she did not stop. And so now we're sitting there, we're watching this car chase, and we're like, okay, okay, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? They shooting, they shooting. And as far as their car, I think they only had a handgun. Um, yeah, Tick pulled out, uh, pulled out his daddy yeah, gun. Yeah, they definitely didn't have rifles or anything like like the other people did. But it was, have, have we ever seen that, like, in a movie? I don't know. I don't remember a movie or TV seeing that, like, be busting back. Nah, I'm talking nope. about not war, but getting chased like that. And I, I think I'm, I've never seen that before. But we like no, that. I think they've always made the black people look like like they're cowarding, like they're running, like it's it's the same like chasing aspect, but they don't have any weapons. They're just like fighting for their life and trying to hide behind something, or right. the car the car breaks down. It's never been like that car chase that you see in action movies, mm-hmm. like you know. So yeah, definitely a different aspect. So the the chase is still going on a straight straight shot. So there's really not any curves or turns that you know they can do on this highway or this main road. Um, but lo and behold, the mysterious silver fancy car, I'll call it a silver bullet because you know it just it looked like a Rolls Royce um, to me, but I don't know I don't remember the make of it. But lo and behold, this car shows up again, kind of like merging. And initially, they think that it's a partnership to the good old boys that's in the pickup truck behind them. So they're trying to outrace this car plus the truck behind them, you know, before the, the silver bullet merges with them. And just as it's about to merge, the silver bullet kind of turns to make like a, a T in the middle of their car and the good old boys truck. And the good old boy truck flips those like two or three of them out in the street, die instantly. And I'm not going to lie. I was like, yes, that is what I'm talking about. But you still don't know who this silver bullet car is because the windows are tinted and they stop for a minute. So everybody looking back to gain their breath. Uncle George, Tick, um, Letitia, everybody's like, oh my God, we really got through this and what is about to happen? And then... This mysterious person gets out of the car. She's a young lady with blonde hair and blue eyes. Yes, the typical white person that, you know, you see and all that. And, you know, what what is it that savior, savior complex that, mm-hmm. you know, people that, that you see sometimes the blue hair, blonde eyed white person has come to save the black people. So everybody's looking. And it took Tick to say, you know what, let's just keep going. I don't know what this is, but let's just keep going. She never, you know, she just does this, the the theatrical stare down as they drive away. And that's all we get from that that episode. I mean, that scene. We don't we don't know who she is. We just know that she at the moment was a good person because she stopped whatever was happening with the good old boys in the truck. I'm your Negro saver. <laughs> yeah. But she didn't say a word just to, you know, like I said, the theatrical stare away until we faded to black. Um, we then get to um, Letitia's brother's house, which is kind of like on a farmland, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and they get there and they pull out the maps and they get, you know, some more background on where they're heading. Um, and then we find out, and I'm just, you know, giving an overview. Um, they find out about this particular autumn location and the background on a very, 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 very racist sheriff that abides over this county. And there's like um, the brother goes over a folder that he um, claimed was only one third of yeah. the NAACP complaints. Letitia's a brother, lot of too. I mean, mm-hmm. it across. He is Letitia's brother, just so people don't know. Yeah, I, I said that. I oh. said her brother earlier. <clears throat> um, but basically, the background on him was this was a place that black people didn't want to go. Um, it was um, the actual city itself was built over um, by witch hunters that killed a lot of people that they declared witches back in the day. And we all know about that. And, you know, that not being 100 percent accurate. So it was a lot of it was a lot of history that was played out at the kitchen table. Um, but the ba- the biggest thing that stood out was this racist sheriff and how a lot of people went missing. And it was a sundown, which goes back to the the title of the episode and so they kind of knew what they were getting into but we really don't know what we was getting into until we get there Mm -hmm. so later that night after dinner and everything again I'm just gonna go because I want to get to the action stuff so Letitia and her brother have an argument inside the house and it comes up again about the mother's funeral so you can definitely tell that this is a family issue And we have Tick and Uncle George kind of standing outside that are witnessing this. And Tick wants to go in, but Uncle George just tells him it's a family thing and it's not our family issue, which, again, which is a thing in Black culture. Families can cuss each other out, but outsiders, you better not have nothing to say. So (laughs) I understand that concept. Like, you can talk all you, you can talk your family into the ground and have arguments but I come from generations that no outsider could come into a family argument. I don't know if that was the same thing you experienced, Jeff, but I I'm aware of that, you know. Uh, so that- it's the same thing. I I, thought, I always felt like that was always in all black families. If you because <laughs> it's been many a times I've seen some shit and I'm like, ain't my, my business. I'm just here. <laughs> So that's that that definitely played into a reality as well. It's like, yeah, we hear it, but I'm my name Bennett and I ain't in it. Um, but Uncle George and Tick also have a heartfelt conversation while this is going on, you know, as far as Tick feeling like his dad never, which is Montrose again, um, didn't care about him, didn't check on him, didn't write one letter while he was in the military in a way. And you can tell that Tick has that background that this wasn't my father. He didn't love me like he should have. And unfortunately, that's another background story that a lot of black men especially have, black women as well. But for this, you know, purpose, talking about black men. Um, And you can see the compassion from Uncle George, because to go back to Jeff's point, it's kind of hinted that maybe this isn't an uncle nephew relationship and maybe a father and son or a complicated relationship we don't know but you can see the compassion with uncle george as he's trying to explain him 
and Montrose upbringing and, you know, as far as their father, you know, not loving them as much and he get his brother Montrose getting the brunt of, I, we, I guess we would assume abuse, whether it's verbal or physical. Yeah. And again, that's another background to, you know, that unfortunately a lot of families deal with where it's that generational um, thing of I abuse you, you abuse me. This is how we raise blah, blah, blah. And we can deep dive into all the spanking and beatings and all that. But it gives you a little idea of their background in itself. He said, and then uncle joy said something like, well, you know, he was little and, and tick was like, well, I was little too. So basically right, saying he, but, he took, he took most of it because I guess uncle George had grew up and he, his dad was going to try with him. So he, he took all his frustration out on him, Montrose. And so Tick is just like, well, I was a little too. Where was you at then? So you let right. me in. You let me down and my dad down. So, yeah. Right. And again, you can see that the angst on Uncle George's face and seeing how he wants to say something more, but he can't really at this point so again we don't know what that relationship is but I'm sure there was a lot of guilt and you know like I understand where you're coming from this hurts me more than you know those kind of feelings that you know a lot of us may have if you've been in that situation so again it was a good way to kind of show an emotion without him verbalizing and I just to backtrack just for people that don't know Uncle George is played by Courtney Vance which is Angela Bassett's husband um excellent actor so he's a veteran at this so i knew i knew that he was gonna pull off all those intricate things um but as far as the episode once that's all occurred you can we kind of fast forward to the morning um and letitia comes out letitia comes out with her bags and stuff and although we know what happened the night before as far as the argument i think it was a nice little you know moment where uncle george and tick didn't say anything they just looked at her they knew what was going on but leticia had so much pride that she just kind of like threw her bags in the truck i mean in yeah in the trunk and just kept it moving so it's kind of again going back to that i know y'all know but we're not gonna talk about it yeah <laughs> so, everybody been through that shit <laughs> like yeah i know y'all heard it but we ain't gotta talk about it so let's keep moving so, dun 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 dun. This is where we get into part two of this episode <laughs> one. <laughs> it's a whole different okay. show. <laughs> yes, you're still watching the same show. <laughs> so, we're now on this back road, which I, I believe now we're in Artem County at this point. Um, and Tick is, is in the passenger seat and he's trying to find this, you know, beaten trail, off the beaten trail. Um, road and you know as in road trips and black people it's always the driver the passenger who is the gps the aux person <laughs> and the person in the backseat driver so everybody at this point is irritated because they can't find this road so uncle george and take a bickering back and forth like everybody in a road trip has ever happened that you get lost or, or can't find a turn so eventually tickets just like pull over pull over i'll find it myself i'll walk so he gets out the car um, and then finally Letitia gets out the car as well. And they're standing by the road and we are introduced to the weird sounds. I'll let Jeff tell you about that. 
<laughs> I can't even make those sounds. <laughs> can you make that sound? No. Can you make it? <laughs> no. I can do the pitch black one, but that's a whole different show. Oh, um, <laughs> but no. So well, this is when we start to really get introduced into the sci-fi horror aspect because Letitia asks Tick, what was that? I've never heard that before. And he goes into explaining, as far as Lovecraft country, the sci-fi kind of horror beast that it could be. It's kind of like a blob, and it has like 15, 20 eyes, and they blink, and they have ravishness teeth, and they're, they're nocturnal, and they're, they're, you know, and mm-hmm. he's telling this whole story, and she's looking at him like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, uh, uh, okay, that's that's cute. Thanks. Whatever. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so, what we see in the background is they're having this lighthearted moment. We see the police car pull up, and I think it did an excellent job at taking the audience and snapping us back into reality again. Because, as a black person. A car pulling, a police car pulling up behind you on this road. And mind you, this is 1950. There's no circuit TVs. There's no cell phones to record this. This is on a road by themselves in the middle of the woods. And here comes a police car. So I can definitely say, and I think Jeff will agree, the cop himself made no secrets that he didn't like black people. Oh, no. Off rip. He didn't care. He said, get out of the car. He gets Uncle George out of the car. He said, and the rest of y'all come to the back of the car. There's no hello. How you doing? You know, I'm the sheriff. You just knew. Because we did see a picture of him back at Letitia's brother's house. But this now snaps you back into where they are. Mm -hmm. Now we're faced with this really racist cop that we've read the file on. We've, We've seen what he's done, the accusations. So... He immediately gets into what y'all doing back here, boy, um, nigger, calling them everything. So Atticus, again, like I mentioned, this is a man, a black man that's coming from the military, being stationed overseas, that in that aspect, yes, there was racism in the military back then, but it's a totally different atmosphere when you come back to the good old United States of America and again are dealing with cops and that mentality back then let alone 2020 so he goes into trying to you know downgrade them asking what they're doing Atticus explains that we were just taking a leak he the sheriff references them as animals and you know taking a piss in his woods and then he you think you smart yeah. And then he says, do y'all know what a sundown town is? Now, again, because I'm I'm going to be the history person on the on these podcasts and these episode reviews. If nobody knows what a sundown before you look at this episode, it's not going to be hard to understand because they do a good job of pretty much explaining it verbatim. Yeah. They gave but, you hints, too. They dropped some hints. Yeah, Exactly. But here's the thing. Sundown Town still exists in 2020. Um, don't believe me? Go go check YouTube. 
go check um, any social media, any videos. There are literally white people that warn black people of certain down south country, back roads, town, cities that you don't need to go into after the sun is down. It is a real thing. And it is it was a real thing then and it is a real thing now. Um, again, like I tell everybody, don't take my word for it. Research it yourself. Um, it's not a conspiracy theory. So with that being said, this is something that the sheriff keeps, you know, honking like, you know, well, you, you know, it takes sundown is at seven, seven, what was it? Seven, nine, seven oh nine or seven ten or something like that. And it was like seven oh five at that point. So Atticus was like, well, we'll just keep going south. And so the sheriff kind of mocks them and be like, well, I don't think you're going to make the limits by then. So Tick says, okay, fine, we'll go back north, which means just making a U-turn. So as they're jumping back in that car, Uncle George and Letitia, Tick, with his smart self, <laughs> he looks at the sheriff and says, is it illegal for me to make a U-turn? And that, that triggered the sheriff, you know, oh, you a smart one right now because he wanted to belittle them. That was, that was just his, to play with them. The fact that he was even standing there having this whole conversation with them and you talking about a sundown town, but you standing, sitting here talking to me and demeaning me, that played into that scene as well. So Atticus had to kind of like, I guess swallow his pride at that point and kind of like, because Sheriff said, if you ask me night, if this smart nigga asks me nicely to make a U turn, I guess I can oblige. And again, this was a moment for Tick to humble himself. And you can see the angst and the anxiety in Uncle George and Letitia's face because this is a reality for them not only, you know, day to day, but other people's experiences. So that's all that tension that's building up in this one scene. Right. And it's almost, and not to mention that Tick is, got, Tick is doing this in front of a black woman too. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. you're taking my pride, you're trying to take my pride away from me right now, but she's understanding because she knows like, no, I'm not trying to die here. This is not mm-hmm. where I want to die. Right. So, And you can see that with her leaning out the window because she's kind of giving that silent support like, I'm still here. Just calm down. Let's get through this moment. Because the reality of it is, in those times, that's what people were trying to do, just live through our moment. And it's unfortunate to say it like that, but every moment for a black person and a white person encounter was that moment, getting through that moment. Right. And for them, this was this moment of just, we want to make a U-turn and get out of this county before the sun goes down. So you see Tick take a very deep breath and he finally just says, can you please let this smart nigga make a U-turn? And of course you get the little subtle smirk on the sheriff's face and he said, go right ahead. So we think everything's fine for a moment. We all do a collect. I know I did a collective sigh when they made that U-turn, but it didn't last long (laughs) because as they're traveling, we see the sheriff is now following them. So not only has he tried to mock them, scare them on his on his road, you're now following them to make sure that they go under the speed limit because you told them if they go over the speed limit, I'm going to have to pull you over. And then I have the right to hang all of y'all in these woods. 
this is a very blatant, blatant sheriff, y'all. So if y'all want to talk about what is racism, this show will give you a blatant view of what racism is. Not a subtle, oh, well, he looked at him funny. No. This sheriff told him straight up, if he caught them when the sun went down, he was going to hang them. So we have this tension on this road. I don't know how long this road was. All I know was that I was counting the minutes with Uncle George on his watch. That was the most intense trail that I have felt, not just as a TV show. Like I said, the the reality of this is what Black people were going through. Like, this isn't like some made-up thing. That tension, the tension of an actual show, like, what's going to happen next? Are they going to pull a gun out? Is the silver bullet going to come back out? What's going on? I don't know about you, Jeff, but that was the longest (laughs) road. I don't even know how long it went, like three miles. I don't even think it was that long. But the fact that they had to drive like under 25 miles per hour. Yeah, yeah. That, and when he said, when she was like, speed up, and she's like, I can't. If I, you know, basically, if I speed up, he gonna come get us and get us a ticket. So he did. He just trailing at this point, and it's like, yo, are they gonna make it? What's gonna happen? And I'm like, like, oh, we still got like damn near 15, 20 minutes. When is gonna happen? <laughs> yeah, and it was when I tell you that scene was so intense, like, cause you see the sun in the background, you see it getting lower and lower. Um, you see Tick, like, gripping the steering wheel, white-knuckled, trying to, you know, just keep it steady, but go, you know, I don't even know how fast you could go, but you're going as slow as you can at the same time. And then, out of nowhere, because, again, this is a very blatant sheriff, he begins to hit them from behind. So, <laughs> not only do you have this, quote-unquote, slow car chase, but you also have this sheriff that is trying to make an issue and either rip their bumper off, get them connected to him so they go even slower. It was just blatant, I want these black people, period. I yeah. don't even care at this point. It was the exact opposite of the rage that you felt in the first car chase and just blind, like, we just want to shoot at black people and that that car chase versus this chase where it was calculated and it was, you know, with 100 percent malice. So that take all that tension in because you you want you want to put your foot on the gas at this point. Like, right. forget that. If I if I speed then I just be over the track at the same time, too. <laughs> that, that's how I felt. Um, but eventually start seeing the train, the railroad tracks. And we're getting closer and we're getting closer. And it's like, all of a sudden you see the sheriff kind of ease off. And so you're like, okay, we have crossed the railroad track. Hallelujah. I think I took a breath. I didn't even realize that I was holding my breath. Um, And we're like, again, we think we're in the clear. And then just as we go over a little rise in the car and everybody's patting each other, Letitia is patting Tick on the chest like, good job, good job. Uncle George is breathing a sigh of relief. We see a roadblock. Shit. (laughs) So that's why the sheriff eased off. Because he knew his good old boy crew was going to stop them anyway. Yeah, there was no getting out of this. Yeah. He, again, like I said, it was very calculated. It was, you know, it, it was a lot of effort to make sure that they didn't get away. 
So by now it is pitch dark. Um, there is no sun. We are technically in a sundown county. Um, we see the deputies and the sheriff with their guns out and their their flashlights walking the three main characters into deeper into the woods. So again, need y'all to remember this is 1950. There are no video phones. There is nobody driving down these roads and seeing this. And even if they did, there's no power. There's nothing that anybody could do at this point. Right. Whatever happens is going to happen. Right. So at this point, we're looking at this and they're trucking through the woods. And as is the case, and again, I, I hate to reference 2020, the sheriff makes up the story about recent robberies and, you know, they look like the, the suspects and I'm going to ask you about these, these recent robberies and you're going to deny it. And they're joking and laughing and, you know, kind of have a semicircle and tick goes to say something. And of course all three get pushed down on the ground and, you know, they got shotguns at the back of their head. They keep cocking their, their shotguns, the intimidation and Tick makes the comment again, you can go, you know, go check our car. There's no stolen goods. And, of course, the sheriff. Oh, you one of them smart ones. This, this nigger gave me the authority to go search his car. Well, ain't you nice? So <laughs> that leads into this intense, like, two seconds of you think, you know, Tick is about to get shot. And you hear Letitia, you know, crying out, please don't shoot him. Please don't shoot him. Again, a black woman protecting a black man. The themes are there, y'all. Y'all just got to pay attention. But we we have all three still laying down. All of a sudden, we hear those noises again. Y'all remember the noises that was in the daylight have now returned. But there's much, much more and much, much louder at this point. What was that so, noise? <laughs> he said, what was that noise? Uh, it's probably some <laughs> dogs or wolves or whatever he said. That didn't sound like no wolf or, or no dog. <laughs> Y'all know what dogs and wolves sound like. So now we have the deputies and the sheriff kind of, you know, swinging their flashlights, looking crazy. Like, what is that? I hear it. Um, I never got the concept of people in, mo- in movies or TV shows, like, um, pointing their guns into the dark woods. Like, you can't see nothing. So you 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 going to waste bullets anyway. You just so- going to shoot. Shooter's going to shoot. <laughs> So that I never got that concept. But either way, so now we all listening like, okay, they sound like they're closer. And out of nowhere, something, a blur, comes across the screen and chews the man's hand off that had the flashlight. And it falls in front of Uncle George, Tick, and Letitia on the ground. Bloody. We don't know what jump in between them. We 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 think you know our mind goes to oh it's a, a wild wolf or some or animal or something. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> um, at this point now we get the screaming, um, <laughs> the the shooting, um, and Tick understands that they need to run. It's time so to get again, the fuck up out of there. <laughs> so again, he grabs Letitia's hand. And starts running. Come on, Uncle George. Yeah, yeah. And again, this is black people. We're not going to wait but for so long. And I'm sorry, Uncle George took a little bit long to get up off that ground. Somebody, he got up. Did somebody push him? Because why did he fall back then? 
I, I don't know, but, um, <laughs> but I swear I, I need to go say, back and watch that because I feel like they they took off and either pushed him or something, or maybe they, maybe one of the deputies like knocked him over. Yeah, or maybe something. one of them stepped on him and that put you know like pushed him back down. I just stayed down. But yeah, he yeah because I figured they chasing was moving so. <laughs> Maybe them two, you know, 2.5 second delay was a good thing for him. But anyway, so, of course, Tick and Letitia get a head start, and they're running, and they're running. And wouldn't you know, old racist sheriff and one of his deputies is following them. It's amazing how they go from being (laughs) being tall and cocky to now they screaming and running behind. Um, our two main characters, while still being so, racist, get that get that yes. table, get that table, move it, move it. Wait a minute, bruh. <laughs> Listen, you gotta you gotta so you got you got to put your racism in your pocket right there because this shit got real. <laughs> All day, every day, it's in my blood, as they say. <laughs> God damn, boy, he was going. He was, he was go, he was going out being racist. Fuck. So they find this little cabin in the middle of the woods. I don't know where. Again, a stereotypical horror movie, horror show kind of scene. Oh, let's go to the decrepit cabin. That'll help. But, (laughs) you know, they needed to get out of the open because they're still in the woods. And clearly these things can see at night very, very well. So we still don't know what's chasing them, but we see, like, little images and they don't look like normal animals that are in the woods so that gives you a little insight of what you're about to see so they get into the cabin they slam the door Letitia and Tick the racist sheriff and his deputy blow a hole through the door <laughs> because Tick wasn't going to let him in hell no he did the right thing his right. Yeah. <laughs> fucking die but, out there <laughs> but they shoot, they shoot a hole through the door there's a wooden door so, of course, that was just like, well, damn, y'all come on in. And then y'all help us put this this um, dresser in front of the door as well. Now you do it. Boogie, boogie. Yes. This, is, this is what got me, like you said, Jeff, the fact that racism was still your priority. <laughs> your, pri- your number one priority is to make sure, no, you know your place. Now move it. <laughs> do it, I said. Shit. And one of your arms is dangling because the sheriff got bit really bad by one of them. So your arm is dangling. You trying to cock a shotgun with one hand. Your deputy is shaking with his flashlight because he don't know. Because I feel like the deputy wanted to go on Tick and Letitia's side. I really He feel absolutely did. Like he felt like they knew something he didn't know. <laughs> he, it wasn't that he but, felt so. He felt like, nah, we do need to be working together right now. That's what he was thinking. And you could see it, but of course, that fear of this the sheriff, he stayed right there and pointed the shotgun at Tick and Letitia again. So at this point, um, they finally remembered Uncle George. Oh, <laughs> so, shit, Uncle George. <laughs> so <laughs> they were talking about somebody got to go get him. But in the meantime, George had gotten up anyway and was coming their way as well. So they saw him, thankfully. Yes, George stayed alive. Again, something I love. The black people did not die. I, I appreciate it. Thank goodness. <laughs> and Uncle George did not die. Okay? So he came. 
came in the cabin with everybody. And now we got this face off of trying to figure out what this is. Now, by this time, we start seeing this glob with, with um, what blinking eyes, but when the lights, you know, the flashlights from the deputies was blinding it. So now Uncle George pulls from the depths of his memory these stories um, about these particular beasts and things. And did you see how they reacted to the lights? And that's how he got to the cabin because the flashlight, you know, they would they wouldn't attack him. So the the plan is to get Tick to run back to the car, which is on the side of the road. We don't know how far away from this cabin, but it's on the side of the road. Turn on the flashlights, get get as many lights. And here come old faithful racist, Sheriff. No, not you. I don't want you to go. <laughs> You're too smart. You might just leave us. Sir. <laughs> so at this point, they they going back and forth. And then finally, he was like, the, the racist sheriff, I want her to go. Okay. So, if, of course, Tick is trying to defend her. But she's like, look, I, I want races in high school. Remember this. I, 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 I got to do that. Yeah. But, but, you know, she ran track and all that. But you could see the fear in her face. You could oh, see it. Now yeah. I want to visualize what my girl had on. She had on flats, not tennis shoes, capri pants, and a little shirt. Now they all covered in blood. But this is what my girl had on. So the inevitable, you know, we get the pep talk and we open the door and she is gone like the flash. Like, if you are, I, 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 which she did, and I told somebody this at work. She absolutely watched how Tom Cruise runs in the movie. I said, "Got it, <laughs> bet I know what to do," because she <laughs> took the fuck off. You all almost thought someone was really chasing uh, Janae Smollett. <laughs> 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 it probably was. It probably was. They probably put fear in her in that on that scene. <laughs> Shit, that girl was going. I was, that's how you run. If you ever want to know how was, to run. And it was one of those runs where you pump your arm mm-hmm. simultaneously with your feet hitting the ground. She didn't blink. She didn't trip. There wasn't a, a branch in her way. She didn't look back. Um, she just kept going. She knew what her goal was to get to the car and turn on the headlights. And my girl did her thing. She got in the car. She turned on the headlights. She even flashed one of the monsters with her camera. <laughs> like she she did what she needed to do. So let's go back to this cabin. <laughs> well, we got this racist sheriff still looking at everybody. And you notice something's wrong with him. But at this point, you just want something to jump from the ceiling and take him out. That's all you really want. You don't, you don't really care. So, you know, they're standing waiting. And then... All of a sudden, he starts coughing and hacking. Coronavirus. (laughs) Coronavirus. Shit is getting real. (laughs) But he starts, like, morphing. And you start realizing, oh, he got bit. I forgot all about that. And Uncle George (laughs) makes a comment saying, you know, they react like vampires. And what happens when you get bit by a vampire? And everybody look at each other. You need to shoot him, son. Yeah. And that's when Uncle George looked at the deputy. He said, you, you, 
you need to shoot him. <laughs> it was calm and it was funny to me because it was like, that's the first thing. We, look, I, I don't know what's happening with you over there, but clearly you are not the human that walked in here with us. <laughs> Yeah. So you, just you a, need to shoot him. You're just a racist monster now. Look at him. Yes. Oh, and I want to say that that was another point that I loved is when they had just gotten to the cabin and Tick was trying to say monsters, monsters, and it took the racist sheriff to say monsters don't exist. And I thought that was incredible because he is the real monster. Right. Racism is the real monster. And to have the monster say monsters don't exist, it also reminds me of people that don't think they're racist. Ooh. Like they, they don't they don't see that side you, to them. So you, you dropping these dropping gems on them the first episode. I told you. I told you don't be the historical historical realist, you know, on this. I, I gotta flip it because I love the action, but I love how Jordan Peele and everybody just drops them little jewels, like don't get it twisted. Right. The monsters do exist, and you are the monster. Not these make-believe sci-fi hard. You are the monster. So I thought it was very creative to have him say that line. But as he's morphing, clearly the deputy didn't take their word. The shotgun get thrown somewhere, you know, and then his neck get chewed out. So all the white people got taken out. (laughs) So we now have our three main characters um, at this point and this monster. Uh, I'm sorry, two main characters in a monster because Letitia is at the car. But out of the blue, here come the savior again because this was her episode. I'm going to just say it. You know, Letitia saved them like three times at this point. Um, (laughs) So just as you're thinking that racist sheriff slash blob monster is probably going to try to take you know, one of them out. Here come Letitia driving through the cabin with with headlights on high beam and knocks him and everybody for real because Uncle George got knocked in the other room. Um, But she comes in. It only stuns the monster because at that point he jumps up and goes out the, the window. And they get Uncle George out the other room. He's good. You know, a little days as expected. It's a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> and then <laughs> they decide to get the flares out of the car and make kind of like a, a, a dome, a semicircle around them until the sun comes up. Because at this point, they're just trying to get it to, the, to survive the night because they know these monsters are going to disappear at the, you know, the slightest, you know, inkling of light. And then out of nowhere, I can't even call it a dog whistle. It was just a whistle. It, it was it was something that just noise. didn't belong. Yeah. That went off and these monsters reacted to it. And they ran in the opposite direction. So you can imagine the confusion on their faces. Like who who else is out here? What else are we going to, you know, run into? Um, and it doesn't, doesn't explain it at that point. You just hear it and you know what it does. And the next thing we see is the three characters walking down this road and over this bridge and clearly the sun is up. So we can say they survived the night. I assume, I I doubt they got any rest because at that point you don't know what's going to happen. 
Um, but we see them walking down the street, and then we see this big mansion, and I think it flashes across the scene, Artem, so that you know this is their destination. Yeah. Um, don't know how far they walked. I just know they walked in blood-soaked clothes and just looked a mess. All time. Um, Tired. Yes, and oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying, tired. Just tired. That's it. <laughs> yeah, made a fourth for their life. And so we get this slow walk across the yard, you know, really manicured this mansion out of nowhere. Because mind you, they they like in the boondocks. That's what I call it. So this mansion looks weird anyway. Um, but they go up to the door and they knock. And I think even before they even get to the point of really knocking even a second time the door opens and here stands this very pale sophisticated white boy with blonde hair and the same blue eyes that the young girl had in the silver bullet on the road and he basically says we've been waiting for you and that we we pan to a blank stare on all three uncle george tick and leticia faces and that is the end of the episode yeah um episode one uh i gotta say uh this this episode here from two is a lot different and we you will see that when we talk about episode two uh y'all get that uh probably sunday morning but yeah when we talk about episode two that is boy these two episodes are different one and two are just so different and it's like I wonder how, I mean, I think it's going to be like this for every episode, pretty much. It's going to be just take us on a ride, and you just got to be able to go there. But I just thought this episode was really good at just getting your characters in the position they needed to be in and letting you know that, hey, I'm going back to catch my, I'm going back to find my father, and I got uh, uh, my friend, my girlfriend, uh, whatever you want to call her, his friend, and he has uncle with him on this ride and you can tell even you just see character almost you see a lot you see a lot of character growth as far as a unit because at first you know you see the bickering we just riding we just having a good time then you see i'm tired of y'all then you see like no we fighting for our lives together and then you just see that dog tired like huh what's going on what we got to go through now so i just thought it was really good seeing that trio take that ride with each other on episode one Yep, it definitely was a great introduction to, I am absolutely, I probably can say 99.9% sure that this is going to be an excellent series. Um, And like you mentioned, Jeff, the episodes, they do play together, but they are totally different stories. And that goes back to the book that it's based off, that it's a lot of, interwoven stories to make one big story so again research it if you guys want to know more about that but i would say definitely just enjoy the ride put your seatbelt on keep your hands and feet in the ride at all times yeah and just enjoy it and listen to us afterwards uh this episode <laughs> will be up tomorrow morning i'm gonna post it i'm gonna straighten some things out and put it up in the morning uh, episode two will be up Sunday morning. And then from there on out, we should have them up every Wednesday. Uh, I say every Wednesday afternoon, evening, they, they'll be up. Um, and yeah, <laughs> Lovecraft yep, and this country. Will be a good, this 
it'll be a good weekend for you guys to catch up on episode one and two. Um, so you can follow um, play by play and, you know, bring it back. If you forgot something, we hope we can touch everything. If not, just enjoy the ride. That's going to be my thing. <laughs> yep. So, uh, yeah. Jeff versus the world presents Lovecraft country review episode number one. We're going to sign off for now, but we will be back with episode two real soon. Peace. Be safe y'all.